Coming to you not live from the garage of solitude, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. I'm Brett Miro, Human Cyborg Relations. And this is the Fanboy Podcast. Welcome to episode 144, everybody. Uh, yes, we are a few days late, but we're making it up to you. This week, we're going to have not one, but two episodes of the show to share with you. And uh, well, before I get into how I've been, Brett, how the hell have you been since we last spoke? I've uh, I've been okay, you know, just, yeah. just getting through the beginning of April. Um, really, really slow sales month. March was a very, very light sales month. Yeah, this month people aren't buying booze as much as uh, yeah, as much people as are. Be. You know, I think that the price of the pump is uh, you know, no one has extra money for booze. I don't know what it is. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, well, that is a pretty good point. Uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, on my end, well, you know, th there's the whole reason we're delayed, which is yes. I, on Thursday, tested positive for COVID-19. The plague finally hit me. After two <laughs> years of successful avoiding this damn thing, it finally got me. Uh, thankfully, it ended up just being no more than like a cold. It was pretty minor. Uh, and I was stressful. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had it but in January. It. <laughs> oh, you see, you got it. You got it. Yeah. yeah. So now I, you know, I got to tell you, I'm not too impressed with it. I, you know, after all this hype, I kind of, you know, it was, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the, the, honestly, the biggest thing I got out of COVID was getting to stay al home alone because my wife took the kids out to the in-laws for a few days so that I wouldn't get anybody else sick. Because by the way, uh, my wife is due to give birth in a week. So th the timing of all this is just crazy. Me getting COVID now and she's about to pop and it's, you know, but it all worked out. She went to my in-laws with the kids. I had the house to myself all weekend and I got to watch all kinds of goodness that I've been putting off forever. Like I watched all nine episodes of Marvel's what if series. Nice. I, yeah. I'm, I, 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 that's, it's amazing. Uh, I also watched all, uh, all seven episodes of the Loki series there. On finally, finally, that's finally. A good one. Yeah. And even the Lego Batman movie, I believe it or not, the Lego Batman movie was one of those, that I just never got around to doing. And I finally treated myself to that. So I guess COVID was a blessing in disguise where I got to just veg at the house and watch epic stuff and play video games and sleep all day and not have to worry about anything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I've been watching a lot of stuff. What have you been watching, Brett? Yeah. So, uh, not too, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about stuff in the superhero realm, but, uh, yeah. I actually just finished up, uh, this really great high concept sci-fi series. I may have mentioned it before. It's called severance. Oh, it's yes. on Apple TV plus, uh, Ben Stiller produced and directed, I think like the first, uh, couple episodes. And I think like yeah. the final couple, uh, that just wrapped up. Awesome. Awesome show. And Can't recommend it enough. Parks and Rec in it, right? Adam Which Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually amazing cast. It's uh, Adam Scott, John Turturro, uh, Christopher Walken is in it. What? Um, I didn't uh, hear about Trish that. Marquette. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then there's uh, some other, uh, there's another guy. Uh, he's been in like everything. He's like this like little heavy set dude with glasses. He's a little balding. He's in like every show. I don't know his name. <laughs> okay. I can look it that up, guy. whatever. Uh, that guy, you, you, if you see him, you're like, oh, I see yeah. him. Like, okay. He's, he's usually All like right. a weird, quirky character, and he's kind of weird in this too, but a much yeah. bigger role than he's like ever had before. Um, yeah. yeah, no, the show, the show is tremendous. Uh, I, I'm like not gonna say anything, honestly, because it is one of those shows that, uh, 
I think also upon like rewatches, there's just so many little details they pepper throughout, but it's, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting based on, seeing yeah. Ben Stiller head into that sort of territory. It's like yeah. It's, it, yeah. Like it's, sci-fi. It's, a, it's, it's like high concept sci-fi. So yeah, I would give it like a thriller mystery kind of vibe, <laughs> uh, dark comedy, maybe at points. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 really really weird, and uh, yeah, as I always say, give me all the weird, uh, the weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, how I felt yeah. watching What If. You know, I I wasn't really sure what to expect, and it's funny. I guess I'm still kind of a snob when it comes to animated stuff. I, to this day, sure. there's a part of me that's like animated. It's for kids, you know. And for better or worse, that that was part of my my barrier into giving What If a shot. But it, it's funny how like little it takes for me to think oh okay this is cool i saw that it was rated tv 14 and just knowing that for right. whatever reason made me feel like oh okay so i'm not just watching you know saturday morning kid cartoons yeah. here so i so that helped me get over that little hump but other than that you know i wasn't sure what to expect i don't tend to dig on a lot of animated stuff in general but I was totally blown away. I mean, the production value, having most of the real voices, having all this great music, yeah. this amazing elevated concept of watching these these bizarro sort of Elseworld tales. You know, I call them Elseworld tales as a DC fan. But for them, it's, it's just that same idea of like, what if? And you t- you do this one unique twist on an you know on a story that we're all very familiar with. And it takes it in a whole different direction. And it was such a, like, it was just a trip. It was such a trip. I yeah. love The Watcher. I love hearing Jeffrey Wright as The Watcher. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I'm like, how great is The Watcher? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like, Wright is him. and he's already exemplifying the multiverse, right? He's Commissioner Gordon in The Batman, and he's The Watcher in Marvel. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm like, th- there's lots of different ways I can go on Marvel. What if, but the Doctor Strange episode, I have a feeling is going to factor in very big into this uh, Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Well, that's the coming. trailer kind of like already uh, alluded right? to. There is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the trailer, so there's nothing spoiler, it's in the yeah. trailer. Uh, their evil Doctor Strange does show up in the trailer, yeah, the Strange the Supreme, right? Yeah, so yeah. 100% that's going to factor in and uh. Yeah, I mean, I also there's like rumors about um uh I've only seen actually like the first two episodes of What If, so oh, okay. actually, or maybe I guess three. It wasn't Doctor Strange the third one, so I might have seen like the first three. It was the fourth, yeah. Okay, so I'm somewhere in there. I didn't see the yeah. whole thing, but uh, I heard there's some rumors that uh, Haley Atwell's uh, Captain Britain uh, really called Captain Britain in that. Yeah, they do call her that. Right? I'm not sure what uh, they called her. I think they were just calling yeah. her like Agent Carter, but she was awesome. Yeah, but her her Captain America supposedly. <laughs> yeah. There's been rumors about that may show up hmm. in in you know a Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So we'll see. But yeah, apparently, um, and I think they've also I think there's also been shot of a uh, zombie Doctor Strange. So yeah. possibly the Marvel zombies may also factor in. So yeah, Hang well, uh, Doctor Strange is certainly becoming yeah. a uh, a must see. <laughs> I'm making a connection in real time, Brett. The synapse uh, a button. year ago, yeah, something you just—I just made it. I just made a connection mm-hmm. last year on this here show. Yes. I, I, I I unveiled a small casting scoop, and I pointed out that it's not a spoiler because I have no idea how they're being used or what it. You know, it's not a plot thing, mm-hmm. but on the official cast list for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was the actress who plays Agent Carter. And it didn't... Haley it didn't Atwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah Haley Atwell. And it didn't... 
at the time, since I hadn't seen Marvel's What If and I didn't know anything about that stuff, it's just I didn't know what to make of it. And I announced it on this show just like, hey, interesting. Looks, looks like they've got some sort of plan for Agent Carter. But now that I've seen the, uh, what, you know, the that Marvel's What If, I'm like, oh, I feel like that might be what a scoop. confirmation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an even bigger right. scoop than I realize now. Right. So that's going to be interesting. To So basically 100% that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oops. Like, uh, now I kind of did spoil something, didn't I? Yeah. But uh yeah. See, you got to finish all 9, dude. You got to I know I have to nine. go back. It's funny it's- cuz like you were the one that's so behind on all the Marvel shows. I've literally watched every other one yeah, I'm, like, yeah, yeah. Up on everything except for that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's and, one that and- seems to have the most impact on things. Yeah. Well, it's funny because now after doing What If and after doing Loki, which I think is also great, although it made me never want to hear the acronym TVA again. The amount of times that they said the time, whatever, agent, the, the TVA, we got to stop the TVA. Have you heard about the TVA? The TVA did this, the TVA. How do we? I'm like, if we could do a TVA drinking game on Loki yeah. and we'd be obliterated. But, but Owen um, Wilson. Owen, there's Owen Wilson talks, but yes, uh, Owen Wilson was there and he was great. He was at the top of his game in a character that I, I wasn't sure what to make of him at first, but I ended up really liking his character. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and also like, I guess this is where it helps to like go into these things, not knowing too much. I had thought that it was just going to be a limited series. I didn't realize that Loki will return in season two. Like I can't believe like, there's a part of me that remembers when Tom Hiddleston's contract, his original contract was coming to an end and it started seeming like he's about to sort of segue out of this role, you know, and he was starting yeah. to catch on. He had done that Hank uh, Williams movie and he was kind of, you know, branching off and it seemed like, okay, you know, he kind of outgrew Loki, but I guess not. You know, they brought him back for a, well, those know, they, paychecks they, from Disney are just too keep those sweet. paychecks coming and <laughs> keep the scripts trippy and inventive like Loki was. And I guess we're going to keep Tom Hiddleston in the loop for a while. Uh, listen, I'm not going to complain. I love his Loki. I love Hiddleston's portrayal of him. And I love the creative conceit of the series. So keep them coming. But yeah, I loved that. Let's and chat so, real quick, real quick, me. though. Yeah. So obviously, what did you think uh, of the ending? Because the final like episode or two yes. basically teased the next big bad for the yes. future, you know, whatever the future Avengers or Marvel team up is going to be. Yeah. Now, Which this is, is a, a, a spoiler for anyone who has not watched Loki. Yeah. Here's your tiny spoiler warning. You may want to jump ahead a minute or two. Because, yes, we're about to discuss the big bad that is revealed at the end of Loki, who's going to be seemingly the big bad moving forward in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some way, shape, or form. You've been warned. Skip ahead. Okay. So, yeah, Kang the Conqueror, played by that guy from Lovecraft County. He was amazing. <laughs> by that guy. <laughs> I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I know like there's all this buzz around that show, this buzz around him. And when I saw him on the screen, all I was all I really knew of him was that, oh yeah, that's that guy that everyone talks about from that show that everyone watches but me. And uh <laughs> he was great though. Like I I, I was fully like hooked in this Kang character. I wanted to know more about him. I, I I found myself, I, I, I was uneasy. I was made uneasy by him, but I also found him sort of like charming and interesting. 
and compelling well, he's also in a way. not technically kang either so oh, i yeah. don't think that is the personality he's uh, gonna yeah. not necessarily gonna have when we actually meet kang the conqueror that's he's true. the one who remains um, he's the one, he's who, the one who won out against all the other Kang variants yeah. and set this whole thing up. But it, it is – um. well, I'll, I'll finish your thought because then I have a little question for you. No, yeah. I just wanted to say like what a what an interesting and unique way to meet the next big bad or at least, you know, we're getting there. And who would have thought? You know, at, at, there was a time when Marvel's TV series were so detached that like – people didn't watch him because it's like nothing that happens there is going to have any bearing on the big screen and here's Loki totally establishing a precedent now that something pretty major actually can happen on these shows you know and and right. Marvel's What If is doing that too and uh, Mar uh, Winter Soldier and, and Falcon is setting up Captain America 4 like these TV series are coming out guns blazing but what were you going to ask me? So yeah, so someone smarter than me or or just has more time than me may have like kind of pieced this together or figured it out yeah. already. But there is kind of an interesting thing. So Loki sort of implies that a multiverse has already existed before the events of Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange's spell. Yeah. Um, because the one who remains basically tells us as much and that the TVA is what's kind of keeping it all in check. Um, and then at the final ending of Loki where... Um, girl loki uh kills the one who remains that totally eventually like it shows like that is the start of the multiverse yeah but we're being led to believe that the multiverse was the result of dr strange's spell in no way home and even though he kind of corrected it at the end of no way home obviously in multiverse of madness something did not go back together all the way. So I'm just confused on like was the multiverse always there or like who created well, it? Well yeah I, I, I'm pretty weird thing there there's definitely a weird connection, but I, after yeah. watching all of Marvel's What If, I'm given the impression that the multiverse has always been around and like the Watcher has been watching through the multiverse for basically eons. But these recent events and stuff that happened in No Way Home and especially what's going to happen in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and I think a little bit of this WandaVision, WandaVision and Loki stuff, you know... There's some recent events that are going to cause the multiverse to basically sort of explode and and have all this you know chaos that's on the way emerging. But I think it's then is what we're seeing, right? Yeah. Like actual, rather than them being in their own nice little neat little rows. Yeah, there's going to be some convergence. I guess that's yeah. probably what they're going for. But it, it just yeah. it was a little weird because I was like, so I thought I thought Loki addressed this already, and then No Way yeah. Home, I was like, huh? And then like yeah, speaking yeah, yeah, yeah. the trailer for Doctor Strange, I'm like, so what are you trying to do here? Like, don't like, it's already confusing enough. Let's not make it more confusing. Can we just have like a straight start point? So yeah, but whatever. I got you. Well, look, more will be revealed. I mean, look, when this Dr. Strange sequel is doing insane record pre-sale business, and yeah. I have a feeling this is going to be the one that makes me drag you to the real IMAX in the city. So you could see in the multiverse of madness on a screen, the size of, yeah, like, we'll have to do. We'll have to do that. Right? It, it, it'll be it'll be the experience that you need to have for that movie. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny watching all this stuff did end up making me more excited for the Doctor Strange movie, and it's it's crazy to think that like a few years back, Doctor Strange was kind of a kooky side character that hardcore Marvel fans knew and loved, but like I don't think anyone really had any real fondness for outside of like the Marvel faithful. 
And through that solo movie, and then especially through Infinity War and Endgame, he's become like a very prominent, very likable, very seminal Marvel hero. And then he looks like he's going to be a linchpin for everything that's coming next. And a solo movie that was a little middling, if yeah. at least for me, and no, I, think, I agree. I, don't know, I, I think overall, like money wise, too, is kind of middling compared to the rest of the pantheon. But yeah, now he is like kind of the the guy. He's the guy. Uh, He's for become the, the guy. Yeah, and Sam Raimi is directing the sequel, so I can't wait yes. to see what sort of Very you know inventive creativity he brings to that. And yeah, who who would have thunk that I would end up a Doctor Strange mark all of a sudden at this point right. my, at this point in my life. But uh, we're going to switch gears now to a hero, a different hero with a red cape, because it is time for the Superman on film update for April 11th, 2022. And well, folks, it's another big old goose egg. Here we are. The streak continues. I, I, I did a search even just right before we recorded in case there was some miraculous breaking news that I've somehow missed. And no, there is still no firm information about a reboot. There's no firm information about whether or not Henry Cavill will ever be seen again. There's no firm information about anything whatsoever regarding a certain Kryptonian named Kal-El being Superman on a big screen anytime soon. So unfortunately... Super disappointing. (laughs) Super lame, super disappointing. There is no Superman on film update for this week. But you know what? I have been, as part of my COVID quarantine, I'm going to spring this on you, Brett. I've also been doing a little bit of geek reading. And I've been reading this book that Jonathan Brady, former contributor for Revenge of the Fans, kept recommending to me. It's called Superman Smashes the Clan. And when I'm done with it, I'm going to lend it to you. If you haven't read it yet, I strongly recommend it. Yeah. And checking out this story, it's giving me ideas for how I would like the next Superman reboot to sort of take shape and take form. And I wanted to ask you, do you think we need to see Superman's origin ever again? No, it's it's the same reason, like... I don't need to see Batman's parents yeah. getting murdered anymore. We've seen it a thousand yeah. times. I think even people that don't know Batman or care about Batman know how it happened. And it's yeah. the same thing. Like we don't need to see the Spider-Man origin again. And Marvel, you know, smartly, you know, yeah. dodged that with No Way Home. They were just like, oh, he's been bitter already. He's been doing it for a year. You know, like he's in, yeah. his, he's in his little homemade costume. So, yeah, I mean, most of these, these characters, especially now, like within the last decade, with just how ubiquitous and mainstream all the superhero yeah. stuff is. I don't ever need to really see these origins again, unless you're going to do something really new and different. And most people, I feel like think they're doing something new and different and they're not. And it's just kind of lame. So we don't need to see it. Just get me in there. Get me into the action. Let me see what's going on. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm very much in this mindset now of almost like what Matt Reeves did with the Batman. Give me a year two story. You know, we've already seen a couple of year one Superman type stories where you know, we do the the origin and then the Smallville sequence. And then he goes to the fortress and he gets the suit and he becomes Superman. Like we've seen that arc already through the you know, Christopher Reeve, Superman, the movie and through Man of Steel. And this time I feel like I would love to just start the story. And there's already a Superman. Yeah. Okay? And I want to throw a little love at Man of yeah. Steel because I really love their depiction of yes. that whole young Clark and the and all that stuff. Um, that's uh, really that's like the yeah, part and, of the movie that's super. And that's part of my point. Me. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of my point here, too, is like it's already not only has it already been done, it's been done really well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because whether it's the, the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve version or it's the Zack Snyder, Henry Cavill version, I feel like we've seen a proper version of the traditional origin story done really well two different yep. times. So this time around, I'd be fine if we totally skip that. And I would even borrow some more from Superman Smashes of the Clan, though, because what's unique about this is Clark himself doesn't seem to fully know everything about himself yet. And it's kind of built into the story because, like, he's almost got a little bit of shame of his alien heritage. He doesn't he doesn't want to think of himself as being some UFO. He wants to be one of us so desperately that he's like basically avoided learning everything he could about his past about where what his true heritage is that's cool and he's already superman he's making saves his mom made him the suit in this version and he does have that desire to go out there and help but he's still not fully sure what he is and as part of the story in real time he's also learning more about his past and also what the full extent of his abilities are. It's all happening in real time throughout the story. And I feel like that would be a real neat thing that we haven't seen in movies yet. Sure. Usually by the time we, he's in the suit, he already pretty much knows all his powers and he's already learned everything about his Kryptonian heritage and why his parents sent him there and what happened at Krypton in Superman smashes the clan. He's figuring that out with us. And I feel like that would be cool for a reboot too, because then if you do want to flash back to certain key moments that perhaps show how this is different than what we already are used to, you know, we're learning it with Clark and we're, and, and he's a relatable hero for us because just as it's going to blow our minds wh wh where he's from, it's going to blow his mind and we're going to see the impact of him learning what it is to find out you're the orphan of a dead planet and all that, you know, like to actually go through that with our hero, I feel like is, would be a pretty valuable, you know, way to approach yeah. the story. And know? it's a unique, it's a unique, uh, superhero story. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't try to think like what other characters really have that, you know, I know it's, a, you know, and, and then on top of that too, specifically with the abilities, like he can't even fly yet. He's still just leaping with a single bound. He's still yeah. like in, 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 in Superman smashes the clan. He's still literally just figuring it out. And, and I feel like when you have a fandom where some people tend to feel like, ah, Superman's overpowered and this and that having him be a guy who's still figuring it out and still doesn't even know how strong he is yet is another neat way to kind of counteract that. You know what I mean? Definitely. He's not all super powerful right from the start, you know? Um, so yeah, so I just wanted to see if you were with me on the fact that whenever there is a Superman reboot to talk about, I would be fine if it's a story that doesn't tell us the origin and just kind of hits the ground running with the year two story. You like Absolutely. that too? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so look, unfortunately there's nothing too concrete to talk about Superman, but we can talk a little bit about his friends because you see a very unfortunate thing happened after the Academy Awards because at the Academy Awards, Ezra Miller, The Flash, Zack Snyder's Justice League in general got the greatest bit of free publicity ever. When that when that Flash moment from Zack Snyder's Justice League won the fan cheer moment, yeah. um, 
you know, that was like, that, that was a beautiful way to start getting people excited for Ezra Miller's The Flash movie, you know? And unfortunately, within about 24 to 48 hours of the Oscars ceremony, Ezra Miller got arrested in Hawaii at a karaoke bar having some confrontation with, with people there. And then there was another couple who filed a restraining order. And this comes a few months after he posted some weird threat to the KKK while smashing the Klan is a big Ezra Miller today. Yeah, <laughs> Ezra Miller smashes the Klan. You know, he posted some thing about like you know where you you should kill yourselves with your own guns or we're going to get you too. And listen, I don't mind the sentiment. You want to threaten the KKK? Right. You know, have it's kind of weird to like just post that though. Yeah, you know, and then <laughs> a year and then ago, had, then he had a thing where he like. Choked That's someone. What I was getting at. Yeah, there was a thing where he like choked some girl and it's on video and it's like, you know, he's been a bit of a PR disaster now for a little over a year, at least I'd say. And Rolling Stone published an exclusive report claiming that Warner Brothers scheduled a emergency meeting just to discuss what the hell do we do about this Ezra Miller situation. But Brett, you heard that that got uh, debunked, right? Yeah, there was another. A lot of a lot of places that reported that then came out that there was like a source. I don't know if they were also from Rolling Stone or, or some other source, but no, that, it was someone from Warner true. Brothers came out. Yeah, Warner Brothers source that wasn't yeah. true, and it's being like uh, over exaggerated. And but see, but that's what makes me think it is true, by the yeah, way, because they're not right. saying, yeah, they're not saying we didn't have this conversation. They're just saying they exaggerated the full extent of the conversation. All right. So maybe, maybe they're not, you know, having a full tilt meltdown at Warner Brothers and they had to call everyone in and have this emergency meeting and everything is on hold until we figure this out. Maybe it's not quite all that. But it does seem like they had a conversation. And I think we should have a conversation because, you know, with Ezra Miller seemingly becoming a bit of a liability, um, you know, the, the talk about possibly recasting him has come up. And listen, the movie doesn't come out for another 14 months. We still have till June 23rd of 2023. Remember, this is the same studio that remade Justice League in like four months leading up to Justice League coming right. out. So they've got 14 months if they want to figure out a creative way to segue Ezra Miller out somewhere in that movie. So For the benefit me... of myself and yeah. listeners... The movie delay happened before this incident yes. occurred, correct? Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> that that's a, makes a difference to it. it yes, to bit. be quite clear. Yes, they, they changed the date, I want to say, like a month and a half, two months ago. And all this recent brouhaha with Ezra Miller has been in the last like 10 days. So it's yeah. not related to Ezra Miller's legal troubles. But either way, now they do have the benefit of this delay, which gives them some time to figure out what to do. So, Brett, let me just ask you your gut here on all this. Point blank. Should Warner Brothers recast Ezra Miller as The Flash? I mean, you're talking about... I mean, you're talking about reshooting like this entire film with a new actor. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, to be clear. To be yeah, clear. Or just like maybe work somebody in new to close out that film and segue I mean, into a new actor. Yeah, using the multiverse and the fact that these heroes can look different, right? 
where we're going to see the Ben Affleck Batman. We're going to see the Michael Keaton Batman. So we're establishing that the right. same hero can look differently depending on which end of the multiverse they're from. They could conceivably find some way that at the end of the, I don't know. I mean, listen, I don't know how they would really do it, but I think there's a way to do it. Yeah. Would you want them to find a way where like at the end of the movie, the Barry that is now our main Barry is not played by Ezra Miller? Would you be, do you think they should do something like that? I mean, at this stage, I just, listen, it's a little troubling, uh, you know, and definitely from a PR standpoint, it is, and it's troubling to hear about, like, you know, he's a young, he's a, uh, well, they. Actually, it's they. They are, yes. I'm expecting myself now, too. They are a very young actor. And, uh, you know, listen, people have trouble sometimes. Hopefully they can get the help they need. And this is just a non-issue. Um, I don't think at this point they need to go ahead and do anything, you know, brash. If there are more incidents or he, uh, they are not well, then maybe we should have that conversation. But at this point, yeah. no. I and I and again, like I want to, I want to see Ezra in a solo Flash film. Yes, uh, not <laughs> you know that is you know Andy Muschietti, you know a new uh, you know director, yeah. a new kind of view on the character. Uh, I want to see that, um, you know, away from like, you know, all the Zack Snyder and and the group, the group, you know, setting and yeah. what that vision was. So, no, I, I don't think we should we should throw him out yet. I mean, listen, if it ends up being that, like, they're not happy with stuff they shot and it's not good because I, I understand. I know from some other like big Flash fans, uh, you know, Ezra's interpretation or I don't know if you want to call it Ezra's interpretation or Snyder's interpretation of the character is not quite how Barry Allen is in the comics. So I've definitely heard or seen that sentiment around on like Twitter and like social media. So I think for some people, they kind of think it's a little bit of a a weird casting, but you know, um, I want to see, I want to see what they can do in a, in a solo film. So at this point, yeah, not too alarmed, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, hope they get help. Hope there are no more incidents. Um, but yeah, I think if, I think if something else goes down, I think, yeah, you really need to strongly consider doing that. I agree. And I'm glad you said that because like when these stories started coming out last week, the big thing was, you know, yeah, let's replace them. Let's bring in Grant Gustin from the Arrowverse and everyone's doing their fan casting about who else could possibly be a good replacement. And I'm like, listen, when I hear these stories, I hear that somebody's going through something. Somebody is, is, is in a weird dark place and is sort of spiraling and my first instinct is, how do we help them? So here's hoping the studio intervenes in some way and offers him some kind of support. I know that may sound a little bit like, well, why would they do that? He's just, you know, he's an actor or whatever. But Warner Brothers believes a great deal at Ezra Miller. Not only was he cast as the Flash in their DC property, but they also cast him in as a as a recurring major role in their Harry Potter spin-off here in the Fantastic Beasts movies. And then for a little while there, and I mean not Timothy Chalamet has it, but they had even cast him as a young Willy Wonka for a little while there in that new Willy young Willy Wonka that's coming out. And the point is, even though Chalamet has the role now, yes, for that movie. <laughs> this, I don't know. But that that's a whole other we can get to that one at some point. Yeah. But you know, someone at Warner Brothers loves Miller. At a certain point in these last few years, they wanted to be in the Ezra Miller business. They've invested a lot of actor. time. And he's a, exactly, he's a very talented actor. I've been we a fan talk of about his. Kevin. I don't know if you've ever seen that. 
But, no, uh, I never saw that one. But did you yeah, see really, City really, Island? Really City Island, directed by no. Andy Garcia. Freaking no, I'll amazing. have to watch City Island. You need to watch. We need to talk about Kevin. All right, we should have an Ezra Miller tit for tat. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But yeah, so you know, the studio seems to agree with us that this was a very gifted, very talented, very young, bright, rising star, and they put him into these blockbuster movies, and he's out there having a lot of trouble in his personal life and here's just hoping that they you know they they step in and try to offer some sort of help maybe send him to rehab or help him with counseling or something because you know working in all these movies by the way there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of stuff that that has to do with being you know on uh, different parts of the world away from home on press tours and feeling alienated and you're part of all these IPs and meetings and they're ter- making action figures out of you and there's, like there's so many different pressures that come and having with... your movie change directors and yeah, script and be not delayed to mention, you know, exactly years in a row or however many years <laughs> not to mention yeah that might no, drive them it... uh, drive someone crazy Everything that happened with Zack Snyder's Justice League, the 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 eighty nine different delays this Flash movie has had on its way to theaters, you know the guys, they've put him through the ringer too. So here's hoping that they don't just go and try to wash their hands with the guy and say, oh well, you know, having some issues, so bye, you know. So I'm with you. I, I'm not in some rush to recast them. I hope that Ezra is able to get the help and and whatever else they they need to kind of get back on track because I do think that they're a very talented actor and there's a huge upside there and I still believe in their Barry Allen the Flash. You know they they're, I know that, like you said there are some hardcore Flash fans who don't necessarily love his characterization but I've liked what I've seen so far especially in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So if he's going to build on that portrayal, I want to spend more time with this guy's Barry. So here's hoping, or this this person's Barry. Here's hoping that uh, that they get things back in order and that Warner Brothers doesn't just bail on them. Um, but you know who else Warner Brothers hasn't bailed on, Brett? I do. Know. So there's there's been a lot of talk. Ever since Warner Brothers and Discovery have been going through this merger process, which now seems to be official and has gone through. Now they are officially Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, The new CEO coming into town from Discovery, it was expected that he was going to basically clean house. And there are certain names from the previous Warner Brothers or Warner Media administration who have now disappeared. You know, Ann Sarnoff promptly exited last week. Jason Killar, who had once been like the head or, or, or a, a very prominent voice at HBO Max, is now gone. But the, the, the two names that have remained that have shocked some in the DC fandom are Toby Emmerich and Walter Hamada. As of now, they have been retained, and it looks like uh, the CEO of Discovery is going to keep them on board running their prospective divisions. Same thing with Casey Bloys, who's the person who's been the head of HBO Max. So when it comes to Emmerich and Hamada and Bloys, they are staying in place. And I kind of want to just break that down a little bit, though, because 
I think the timeline of when these people got involved is important because there's a lot of people who want their heads to roll. They look at everything that happened with Batman versus Superman leading into Zack Snyder's Justice League as being on these guys' doorstep, but not so fast because Toby Emmerich was hired to head Warner Brothers Film Studio, you know, the film division, at the very end of 2016, in December of 2016. So he came Toby on. Emmerich, yeah, you thought you could shake me. Oh, Emmerich, yeah. He came on at the end of 2016. That is after Batman versus Superman had its big issues back in March of that year. This is after Suicide Squad came out in August of that year. So Toby Emmerich, by and large, I think the industry and the people perhaps doing the research on who to keep and who not to keep, they view Toby Emmerich as someone who came in at a time when Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment in particular were at a real low point and it was a real mess. And he was there to basically clean up some crazy, a crazy mess that had been created by the people before him, people like Greg Silverman, who he took over for. So I think that's how he's been able to sort of skirt around all this. He came in at the end of 2016. He doesn't have the stink of BVS and Suicide Squad on him, but he was technically in charge for all of 2017 when the insane reshoots of Justice League and all the stuff with Joss Whedon was happening. So it, you know, I, I can understand why there is a certain segment of the fan base who wants to see this guy's head roll. But for better or worse, he came on after that. And from 2017 on, after Justice League, Warner Brothers and DC have been on a moderate winning streak, you know, especially with the, the $1 billion Aquaman that came out at the end of 2018. So, you know, that goes on Toby's resume because that movie came out almost two years after he got the job. And the other name that everyone was upset at was Walter Hamada, but he got hired even later. He got hired in like January of 2018. So he really has nothing to do with all of the previous craziness. And I just bring all this up so that I know that there is a very vocal, very loud contingency of fans that I see over on the Twitter who just want Hamada and Emmerich gone. But really, they're not responsible for half the stuff that you're upset about. You know, for for like the vast majority of the stuff that went in went crazy these last six years with DC, it didn't really happen because of decisions that they made. And Hamada in particular, since he's been there, you know, Birds of Prey, Shazam, Joker, The Batman, all these films have come out and they've done that, they've all turned a profit, they've all been critically well accepted. And why would you fire a guy when that's his track record thus far? You right. know, so I, I don't think it was ever realistic that these guys were heading out. But now, of course, the big question is what happens when their contracts come up? Because some people say maybe he's keeping them there until their deals go up later this year and then they're going to get replaced. Yeah. I guess we'll need a transition, you know, or something. Like yeah. That. But either get way, everything ready for when you leave, you know? Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 But then again, people think like if that were going to happen, they would have just flown the coop like Sarnoff and Killar did because who wants to stick right. around when it's, you're like a dead man walking knowing you're about to get replaced in a few months, you know? Right. So 
I don't, I, I have a sense that these guys aren't going anywhere. And if you're a fan of DC entertainment and DC on film, you're going to have to get pretty used to seeing them. And it also probably doesn't bode well for that full on restoration of the Snyderverse that some are hoping for, because Toby Emmerich and Walter Hamada do not seem to be in favor of that sort of thing at all. And the fact that they're still in positions of power means that Discovery seems to be fine with that too, you know? So Green's left the station. <laughs> so there you go. There, there is your 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 sort your Superman-ish update into the latest DC rumors. And uh instead of talking about this DC franchise and all of its controversy and its past issues, let's talk about a great success that's happening in Hollywood. Yeah, Brett, because look. You know better than anyone. You are the video game guy. And you've been yeah. watching for years as Hollywood has taken all these swings and misses at trying to adapt video games for the big screen. And at long last, we've got a successful video game adaptation. And Brett, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. I know of all it's, of all properties. Of all they haven't the been able to get a game right, and I don't know how long. Yeah, <laughs> but they finally like broke the curse. Although but, I will add a caveat. Oh, go for it. Detective Pikachu was really good, actually. I don't know if you oh. saw. No, I did see. No, really I did see that. I'm pretty sure that movie did pretty well, but uh, I'd have to see the numbers compared to Sonic too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the deal with Sonic. I mean, look, it it just opened to seventy one million dollars. It's got something like over 140 global so far. It opened bigger than its predecessor, which is always a big thing you want to see with yep. a sequel, right? So it opened bigger than the first Sonic the Hedgehog, which was already considered a success, which is why they, we got the sequel. And in, what's going to be interesting, too, is critically, it's just a smidgen better. It's just a smidge better. You know, Sonic the Hedgehog got a 63 on Rotten Tomatoes and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 got 67. So they got a 4% increase I'm in critics. the quality department. But it has the same exact cinema score. And remember, that is the fan grade given. Right. Cinema score is done by in-person polling of the fans who show up on opening night for the movie. We're on their way out. A random sampling of opening night cinema goers are asked, what did you think of the movie? So cinema score is a great gauge for how much the fans are into your product because the people who come Friday night, they are your most eager fans. So if they're not impressed, you've got danger, Will Robinson. Right. So the original Sonic the Hedgehog in 2020 got an A, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 got an A. So that tells me that this is going to have legs. This is going to have good word of mouth. The people who love the original are going to show up and see this one, including people who didn't see it in theaters but caught it on home video during the pandemic. Now they might be like, oh, but that Sonic 2 movie is in theaters. I want to go see that now. You know? Right. So. It's going to be interesting to see in the weeks ahead how what kind of legs Sonic 2 has. But what can you believe that we finally have a successful video game movie, Brett? Well, Mario, Sonic has fast legs. So <laughs> oh. just, just so, I don't know if you're familiar with the oh, character. Oh, don't do it. Yeah, legs oh, are real fast. That um, was the yeah, worst no, thing you've ever said. <laughs> it's not the worst. Uh, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so like I saw, you know, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog the first one. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it when it came to uh, to digital video. Oh, you're one of those. And yeah. It, it, listen, both of these movies, I haven't seen this second one yet. I actually, I think I might try to go see it this week. Um, oh. But because uh, I am actually interested in seeing it. But, the, you know, they're unabashedly made for kids. Yes. Uh, like, make no mistake. They're not trying to like even really toe the line like a Pixar movie where it's, oh, it's for kids and adults. No, this is for kids. So, yeah. you know, for some people, like they're not going to be able to shake that. But um, I understand for Sonic 2, what I'm hearing is that they totally upped the game and Easter egg, game references and Easter egg. It seems like it, yeah. To the nth degree. Um, Jim Carrey is supposed to be at his most Jim Carreyist. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, apparently it's hitting all the right notes. Uh, you, you know, you got a little a little gravitas with Idris Elba voicing Knuckles. Uh, ben Schwartz is doing an awesome job as Sonic. And uh, John Colleen... And I don't know her last name. I feel like it's like O'Doherty o or something like that. I could be totally wrong. It's Colleen something. The yeah. actual voice of Tails from the game. It's the actual which, Tails, yeah. It's a really nice, you know, uh, you know, nod for fans. Yep. So all that put together and, you know, you just you just have success. It seems like they're hitting all the right notes, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, that, that's great to hear. It's great it's to great see. To hear. I, I'm happy. And not to mention, though, this is a testament to how good things can go when you listen to the fans. Because do you remember how when we got our first look at Sonic, there was a huge backlash, oh. a backlash so loud that they had to go and redo the design of the character. And, the, and the, there was already a trailer. There had already been a yeah. team of people who had rendered Sonic looking a certain way and Paramount heard the critique Pause the movie, invested millions more to make a more accurate depiction of our Sonic, and look how well that paid off. I mean, the movie, the movie was shot and done, I think, yeah. too. So it I don't even done. think they weren't really able. I don't know. I mean, I don't know for hundred percent. Maybe they did some yeah. reshoots, but I think for the most part, they had to like like what do you call it like just like backward edit like the yeah, new they had to just delete the new look in yeah and just kind of account for like the height differences and the new design of the cg yeah. character and i guess try to just make sure that like the actors looked like they were looking at the new yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. is the word i wanted to kind of uh uh use right there but yeah, yeah it apparently did that and listen it, it worked out it was the right move and i you know I, I don't even honestly. I still I don't know what anyone was thinking with that initial design. <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah, but Bizarre. honestly, but I'm just relieved that the fans actually showed up because one of the fears yeah. was, you know, people love to just complain online and trash things online, right? So the fear was, what if people went nuts over that Sonic design? Paramount pauses everything invest millions of dollars to make a better looking Sonic movie for people. And then they still just don't show up to see the movie. Right. And then it was like, damn, you know, you guys just like to complain, but no, it actually worked out. You know, the fans complained, the studio listened and the fans showed them the love. You know, the Sonic fans came out on mass to go, okay, you gave us, a, a a real looking version of our Sonic, you know, a, a legit adaptation of our Sonic. Now we're going to give you our hard earned money, you know. So yeah. uh, to me, that's a nice happy ending, and it shows, you know, how well things can go when you actually do listen to the fans. See, fans aren't just cynical, impossible to please idiots. 
you know, we can actually show up and support. We just want to see our properties as, as gamers, like faithfully adapted and everyone, most times when they make a game movie, they fail to capture what makes the great, the game, the game, I can't talk the games or the characters. (laughs) Yeah. Um, special. And finally, like uh, Jeff Fowler, I think, uh, who directed the first one and this one, they they got it. You know, yeah. they figured it out and they made something, you know, uh, really special. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Just, uh, I know it's going to be a kid's movie, but I'm excited to see it just because I heard of like all these like really cool yeah. Easter eggs references and really cool moments and uh like i know we talked about a few weeks ago the uh even the poster just hit me in all the yeah, right i know hitting all the right marks yep so yeah yep. That's, that's great like uh i hopefully like where i hope you know this is the beginning of you know the next thing oh my god this is like this is stressful now so oh, here we go good <laughs> sonic movie we have a second good sonic movie and as of right now, we haven't heard anything different. It could get moved, but we're supposed to be getting a Super Mario movie in December this With year. With Chris Pratt. <laughs> I, I mean, Chris Pratt is Mario. I mean, it's all CG. I don't think yeah. they're doing like the hybrid live action CG. Um, I think it's yeah. going to be all CG. Chris Pratt is Mario, which I'm interested to hear that. But I mean, the rest of the cast is actually I'm all on board with. Chris Pratt's yeah. the only one where I'm kind of like, I don't know. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's see. I mean, uh, if anyone can do it, it's Nintendo. But I mean, like. Mario has a, a string of, of better games <laughs> than Sonic and Dude. I think is still like kind of the bigger character. So they really got to they got to step it up, you know. Well, Dude, they- it, it can only get better because I legit cried at the first movie adaptation of Super Mario Brothers. With with Bob Hoskins and and John Leguizamo, it was it was a fever dream. Nightmare. I I legit I think I remember I cried. I don't know how I, I was probably too old to be crying about this because it was so bad, or you were scared. Yeah, like <laughs> I remember, I, I being at a movie theater on Lexington Avenue and 86th Street in in the Upper East Side of Manhattan with my father. My father was very excited to take me to this because he knew I was a huge Nintendo fan, and it's Super Mario, and my son is Mario. This is going to be a home run, <laughs> and I remember, like. <laughs> Toad, Toad was this big idiot in a trench coat and a tiny little reptile head. Okay, Toad. Okay, and no, Toad was up, it was even worse. Those were the Goombas. Toad yeah. was like a weird street musician with like weird hair, and I think he got like killed. Didn't he? No, but like Toad is set on fire at some point <laughs> in the movie, and I'm like, they set Toad on fire. Like I, I, I legit, I welled up with tears like what are they doing to my heroes what are they doing to like you know nintendo meant something to me see so there you go you got to be faithful with your adaptations i'm so glad that we're not in that phase of hollywood anymore where it's like yes we're going to adapt it but we're going to change 95 percent about it yeah that's how things used to be now it seems to be more like no we're going to really try to stay true to what people love about these characters and about this property because I cried when they burnt Toad in the first movie. All right. So as long as they don't burn Toad, I'll, I I can deal with Chris Pratt as Super Mario. Okay. It can only get better from there. Um, But okay. So speaking of getting better, I hope Jared Leto 
gets better with his acting choices. Have you heard this news about uh, some this of his ridiculous. antics on the set of Morbius and his method acting? Have you heard about any of this? Oh, I've heard about it, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the most ridiculous thing. I, I want to just read one of the one of the crazy things making the rounds, and then you and I can respond, especially because you and I are actors and we dealt right. with actors and we've had to be in productions with actors who take things perhaps a little too seriously sometimes. But here's what the director of Morbius, uh, Daniel Espinosa, had to say. And it sounds like he's trying really hard to be very diplomatic about this. But when asked about it, because uh, basically there's a story that like even in between takes, he was acting as if he was in pain and in crutches and, and all this agony. And he had to like limp his way or practically be wheeled or carried to the bathroom in between takes because he couldn't do it himself. And this and that. He insisted on walking with the walkers in between takes. And apparently it led to like 45 minute bathroom breaks where he was just like everyone was just sitting around, which is just like. Forget about it, man. This is so and this is after the stories from Suicide Squad, where he's delivering gifts that have used Blood condoms. condoms, yeah, yeah. And like used condoms and live rats. rats, and yeah, just insanity. But here's what Daniel Espinoza had to say. He said, uh, "Because I think that what Jared thinks, what Jared believes, is that somehow the pain of those movements, even when he was playing normal Michael Morbius, he needed." Because he's been having this pain his whole life, even though as he's alive and strong, it has to be a difference. Hey, man, it's people's process. <laughs> All of the actors believe in processes and you as director, you support whatever makes it as good as you can be. Uh, yeah, he sounds a little bit like, yeah, what can I say? It's all true yeah. what you've heard. And uh, he thought he believed that this is what he had to do. Um, and there've been a couple of people who've had something to say about these kinds of techniques lately. Right, Brett? Yeah. So there was a uh, recently, it wasn't like in, I don't think in direct, uh, response yeah. to this report, but, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, you know, actor, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, I believe you're yeah. also a fan of his. Oh yeah. Um, he, uh, had an interview with like, Le Chiffre. Sorry, yeah, Le Chiffre. um, with the, with the. Yeah, um, I, think, uh, I think about him hitting James Bond's balls with that rope with the knotted anyway. rope. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. All right, so uh, it's that's a nightmare. So yeah, he we had an interview with like Variety or something, and he was asked about method acting, and he basically, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was just like it's ridiculous. And he's like, and and what if, he's like, what if the movie you're in is is bad? Then what did you do all that stuff for? It's just a waste of time. Ridiculous. And then also, um, Will, uh, I think it's Poulter. I don't know if yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. right, but he's got he's going to be in. Um, he's playing. Uh, what's his face? Um, Gold guy, Adam Warlock. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Three. He got cast. Um, yeah. he also just had uh, some comments on it, and he was like, "Listen, he's like the method acting. Like that's cool if you want to do it, but when it becomes like where you're being disrespectful to the crew or to the cast, or you're interfering with other people's processes and it's disruptive. He's like, then I'm not on board. And like, he's like, there are a lot of people that unfortunately like do that and uh, think it's giving them like the best performance. And he's like, yeah. I don't think it's entirely necessary. So yeah, it, it, there's a certain point. Like I, you know, 
uh, where we went to college, they practice like we'll get into the weeds a little bit, but we practice like, you know, psychological realism, which is like the Stanislavski, yeah. you know, field of acting. And, you know, that is kind of where, you know, method acting is sort of born from. But, mm-hmm. you know, this stuff where like, you know, Jared Leto's taking these 45 minute bathroom breaks. I mean, there are people that like want to get home to their families. Film shoots are I've been on I've been on both sides. I've been on sets. I've shot pilots. I've also crewed on actual films that like yeah. went so a long Dude, day. Some of these guys, 12, yeah. I did a 16 hour day. Like, and listen, the pay is not good. Like yeah. basic scales, like 125 for the day. You might get overtime after like 12 hours. Or so. so 12 hours, you're getting 125 bucks. Like that was at the time, <laughs> a couple of years ago, that's what you're yeah. getting. And I was interning. So I got paid nothing. All right. So yeah. that's, that's how it was. Yeah. So and imagine you have some people, preening yeah. prima donna lead actor who's like, no, I need yeah. to take my fifth 45 minute bathroom break. Like I get it if you want to stay in character between yeah. scenes. And again, as long as you're not like doing anything that's disrupting other people's processes. But then when you're going to the bathroom and you're like, oh, I have to walk with these crutches. And then apparently like they had the level with them. They're like, dude, these 45 minute bathroom breaks are like ridiculous. Because like, listen, if he goes two, three times, that's like two hours of the day, like gone. Yeah. Yeah. which is ridiculous. So they apparently especially they got, when like, you're looking yeah, at an able-bodied man, like you're staring, yeah. imagine the absurdity. Yeah. Of, Do there. your research, practice at home, yeah. you know, or like on your own time, like getting into that. And then you do something called, we'll go back to the Stanislavski method. It's called yeah. emotional recall. Yes. So you kind of, you, you do some of that work outside of the set and then you get that in your head and you can go recall that, but you don't need to be living that exact Amen. moment. I mean, Amen. You know, listen, there was tales, right? There was, um, and they did a documentary on it. Um, Jim Carrey, um, yes. he was doing Man, Man on the Moon, moon. Uh, yep. classic story, which uh, I think Tim Le- Timothy Oliphant came out and said that documentary was pretentious. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, apparently he was like an asshole to everybody on set, like being in character as Andy Kaufman. And but Andy you see, but is that, now maybe this is just the Jim yeah. Carrey apologist in me. But mm-hmm. I kind of feel like because of Andy Kaufman in particular, because of the fact that like right. the way he was with his cast members and the way like you never really knew, is he messing with me or is this an act or what? I can kind of get why Jim would do it in that for that you know, to play. Andy yeah, Kaufman. he might be like the one whatever, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you but know, there are lots like, of guys you know, taking it too far. Yeah, Christian Bale, uh, famously, right, on Terminator Salvation, had that yeah. famous leaked oh. rant where he flipped out on the lighting thing. And actually, if you remember his apology, he kind of blamed it on, like, the character and, like, all the stuff. And <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, that's kind of a cop-out. Yeah, I'm playing um, this general whatever. Will Smith even there. kind of did the cop-out with the slap when he did his acceptance speech. Of, really? Oh, Richard Williams was a fierce defender of family. Oh, and, uh, you know, he yeah. tried to, like, use that as, like, why he slapped, like, in a roundabout yeah. way. And it was really lame. So. So, yeah, yeah en- enough with this shit. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, he, Jared Leto's like he's weird, man. I don't know. Like, it's it's too much. All right. Like, and yeah. and, and listen. And again, Mads Mikkelsen said it best. What if the movie you're in is not good? Like, wh- who are you impressing? I mean, what did you do all that work for? And that's by all apparently means, what happened on a different Jared Leto project. Good. Yeah. yeah. The, um, apparently, I haven't seen it, but that House of Gucci. That's one where he went full method for his Gucci character. And apparently Lady Gaga also did. And she spoke in Gucci's like Italian accent for like a year, even when she wasn't. I don't you know, mind the voice stuff, you know, but when yeah, just, that does take practice, you want to get the yeah. rhythm. Yeah. 
but uh but meanwhile apparently that gucci movie was a big turkey so it's like again you put yeah. all this passion and effort into something that ended up being eh, suicide eh. squad big turkey or, or morbius you know <laughs> like big turkey although listen suicide squad in jared leto's uh defense i i'm still of the of the belief that david ayer's original cut probably would have been way better than what we got in theaters and and yeah absolutely according to leto so much of his performance ended up on the cutting room floor i'd love to see what the hell that was you know people yeah, no, say I'm like not- oh jared leto's joker sucked i'm like we barely saw him you know yeah. we got like seven minutes with him in suicide squad and like four in Zack snyder's justice league i haven't seen enough to judge yeah but when it comes to leto and all this stuff too like I think you said it best, you know, to, to kind of break it into acting jargon. Cause like I've done some of that stuff too. I, I've gone borderline method at times, but it's always only in preparation. You know, like when I had to play yeah. a blind guy, you know, I, I did stuff where I blindfolded myself around the house and started learning how to like, you know, uh, count my steps and learn how to like learn spatial awareness without really using your eyes for anything, you know? And I, I did it. I did this exercise once just to see how um, New Yorkers treat a blind man in the middle of the street walking through, like, would they be kind to me? Would they be rude? Would people help me? Would people scoff at me? And I walked around with the blind cane and everything for like four miles through Manhattan. I learned all kinds of interesting things about how New York city people treat you. And then I was able to bring that, to my portrayal and knowing, oh, this is what th- this guy's days are like. And this is what he hears when there's a lady, you know, basically uh, crying with sympathy for how badly she feels for him, but doesn't realize I can hear you. And this is kind of uncomfortable. But anyway, so it, it's, <laughs> it, it has its, it has its merits. Yeah, but, but you're as not soon the computer as, ruining yeah, rehearsal going, exactly. I'm going to try to find my way to the bathroom right now. Exactly. As long as you're not being disrespectful to the your fellow cast members, being disrespectful to the crew that's working really hard, then do all the prep work you want. But when you hear these stories, it's just it's it's just selfish, disrespectful sort of grandstanding. That's how it comes off. And, uh, you know, what... It, all this for a movie that, by the way, Morbius in Weekend Two. Uh, listen, it had a very inter- it had a good first opening weekend, but like all, like movies with terrible word of mouth do, it dropped seventy four percent in Weekend Two. Right, Morbius is currently in a race to the bottom of the toilet. So yeah, once again, was it really worth it, Jared? Was it really yeah. worth it? Um, but okay, so now we're going to move on to uh, one other cool bit of uh news right you you checked out this lego star wars skywalker saga brett yeah so we got a new uh lego star wars game uh it's called lego star wars the skywalker saga and i thought this would just be a nice little thing to touch on gaming you know we definitely have a big star wars fan base uh, i'm sure that listens to the show so um mario have you actually have you played any of the lego games before whether it's like lego star wars potter yeah i mean not not to completion but I've played a level here and there, and I always find them like charming and fun. And yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I, I've checked them out. I, I, I get the general idea. 
Right. So they're they're definitely, you know, made for kids. They're very simplistic. Um, all the previous uh, versions uh, of these games are basically like you're almost looking like a little at a little diorama. And they usually have a lot of great uh, there's a lot of care put into them. They definitely put a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of references. There's always like a ton of different characters. And it's just it's just fun. Um, and yeah. I find it as an adult, even I find the games fun. And I, I played uh, quite a few. Um, my favorite up to this point, actually, I think had been Lego Batman two, which, um, I don't know if you ever played that one, but it was really cool. If whenever you were a Batman, uh, the Danny Elfman theme played. And then if you played Superman and flew around, the John Williams theme would kick in. I heard about that. I need to experience that. Yeah. Yeah, there's There's been very little, um, evolution of the series uh mm-hmm. from the beginning I, it was mostly like these again these little like diorama levels then they did kind of evolve it with lego batman 2 getting like a, an actual like open world like hub yeah. area and uh they played i think they also did like marvel one after that like a marvel superheroes and mm-hmm. it had an open world manhattan uh lego manhattan which was pretty cool yeah so those are really really fun but uh for this one this game's been in development for quite a while uh they finally changed game engines and they rebuilt this whole game from the ground up. So this game covers all nine Star Wars movies. Wow. There are over 300 characters, uh, <laughs> more than like, I don't know, like 50 different like ships, uh, you know, actual like uh, yeah. Star Wars ships, um, a ton of Easter eggs and references, a lot of really, really deep cut fun stuff. And uh, what's really cool about this, I just want to let everyone know if you're not aware they actually moved uh, the camera down low and it's kind of like a behind the back over the shoulder and it's turned into like a third person action game now. They've um, also done a lot of stuff to combat. You can now counter, you can throw your lightsaber, there's lightsaber combos, you can use the force and throw objects. Oh, that's awesome. Do a lot of cool stuff and if you played any Lego game, it's all about just breaking and beating the shit out of everything on screen and collecting those studs. (laughs) But um, it is... It is really, really, really well done. Um, all the music is in the game. Uh, you know, I was literally just the other day fighting Darth Maul with, um, you know, Obi-Wan and uh, Qui-Gon and Duel of the Fates was playing. And it was oh, a creation so cool. of that, like, generator area that they fight in. And yeah. it was it was awesome. So make no mistakes, still, you know, for kids, still simplified. But um, they definitely put a lot more care into it. It is a little more complex than previous games they've even added like a skill tree so you can go around these like open hub worlds which are, are really created with so much love i mean yeah. all of the areas and what they did was like they've made things look like lego bricks and built it up lego bricks where they need to be but from the most part the environments are like 3d realistic uh like kind of blended in so like it looks like when you're on endor it looks like you're on endor oh that's um, cool like so yeah they've done just a lot of stuff i'm playing on playstation 5 so the graphics are actually really awesome the lighting's great just the way it even like it reflects off the bricks and like mm-hmm. all the different textures uh there's so much you know uh going on on screen particles and effects the sound effects are just spot on um it's, it's, it's just really cool. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that game. If you're on the fence or you're like, oh, I've played Lego games before, this really does make it a, a lot fresher, adds a little more depth uh, you know, to the gameplay. Uh, there's so many fun little like, secrets and hidden you know, things you can find to upgrade your characters. Um, they've even gone so far as to split characters into different types of classes, and each class has its like, – there's like a scavenger, there's a scoundrel, like which would be like Han Solo and the Blasters. Hmm. There's the Jedi, of course. There's um, obviously Astromechs, uh, Protocol Droids. I mean, literally goes like that. And then each of them have their own little skill tree that can enhance like some of the capabilities they can do. And 
I'm I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, I would say check that out if you have any interest. And that's it, I, I assume that's on every platform, right? I believe it is on everything. Yeah, you can get it on Switch, Xbox, and PS5. Uh, I don't know about PC, maybe. Um, and it is two player co op, uh, local co op. They may have online too. I'm not 100 percent positive, but 100 percent they have local co op, uh, drop in, drop out. So yeah, really, really mm-hmm. neat stuff. You Check should out. tweet out that article from Polygon about the weird droid <laughs> encounter. Yes, I'll, I'll really quick, there's there's a deep <laughs> cut like reference, and it's funny because I didn't know about this, but I, I did encounter this little character. Um, there's a deep cut reference to <laughs> one of the Star Wars novelizations that you know Dis- Disney has now decided those aren't canon. They're like Star yeah. Wars legends but literally this is the people who made this game went thus far there's there's a reference to a protocol droid that appeared in one of these star wars novelizations called nobot and apparently like there's some like weird dark like references or illusions in the novel that like he either witnessed or possibly killed like a pregnant woman (laughs) in the novel so there's this one little part where i actually i was in mos espa and I run into this weird like little house that I was able to go into, and all of a sudden you just see this like creepy looking like C three PO droid just kind of pop out with his like just dead face, just like, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? And then he like runs away through like a hallway. So I was like, what is that? So I chased him, and I'm like looking around, and then all of a sudden like in the corner you just see it like run by again. <laughs> you're like, it's like scary. They play. <laughs> music too it's really funny and then you're like there's this one part where you just see him pop out again and it just pans in on his dead lifeless face like <laughs> and it is incredible and then he runs through this like other area and it's like i couldn't access it because i needed like a different type of character to like i don't know yeah. have, like, there's certain things like it's like if there's gold bricks you need like a bounty hunter character and gotcha. they're late to break those so i didn't it was very early on like uh mm-hmm. i was playing episode one i think so i hadn't unlocked yeah. any bounty hunters yet and mm-hmm. oh my god, it was tremendous! And then I just read this article that that is a reference to some weird, creepy character. So a lot <laughs> of really, really, really fun stuff. You in should this. tweet um, that out. That article is yeah. hilarious. Like just for the story, it's really funny and it's really yeah. it's actually really creepy. But yeah, I, I can't believe it. There, there's been some other really, really fun, just little goofy references and and, and things. And I, I heard. There's some really, really neat sight gags, even like later on, like in Rise of Skywalker. Apparently, there's like a really, really funny sight gag. I didn't want to spoil it for myself, so I don't know yet. I'm, I'm, I'm only into, uh, I think I'm like midway through maybe episode two right now. I just okay. got to see uh, Anakin uh, slaughter all those sand people after finding his mother uh, oh. uh, dead. Uh, like you do. Gotcha. So, hey, check it nice. out. Pottery Things Wizard. All right. All right. All right. Now, look, before we get into our Moon Knight Episode 2 reactions, uh, we got one listener topic. And let me just remind you, folks, if you ever have a question or a topic you'd like us to sound off on, you just go ahead and send an email to thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. And that's exactly what I have here today, Brett. Uh, Kyle Linen. Or Lainan, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Kyle Linen, we're going to go with, has emailed the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. He said, Hello, fellas. Great listen. Hey, Kyle. And that's it. And then that, that, that was the whole topic. No. <laughs> uh, great listen. Would the Batgirl have to be, I guess he means the Batgirl movie. So would the Batgirl movie have to be pushed back until after June of 2023? Since Keaton's Batman is being established first in The Flash, and then he makes an appearance in Batgirl? Or is Batgirl being established in Keaton's timeline first 
before the crossover in the Flash. No change has been reported on Batgirl's release date of late 2022. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you, Kyle, for taking the time to send in the question. Uh, I think he makes a very, very good point, right? Like, we know that the Michael Keaton Batman is supposed to mentor this new Batgirl. And mind you, this movie is straight to HBO Max, all right? This is straight to streaming, okay? So we know that in this straight-to-streaming Batgirl movie, Michael Keaton's Batman will be a mentor figure. But we also know that the movie that's going to bring him back into the mix at all is going to be The Flash. And that movie, which was originally going to be coming out later this year, and probably would have come out right before Batgirl and all would have worked nicely together, has now been bumped back, like we said, to June of 2023. So Kyle brings up a really good point. And honestly, I'm shocked that they haven't announced a delay yet. Because what like, don't you think that would be a little anticlimactic to have Michael Keaton's momentous return to the role of Batman be on a straight-to-streaming HBO Max Batgirl movie, Brett? Would that be anticlimactic as all hell to you? It would be anticlimactic, yeah. and it just – I don't know if it would make sense, like, with the yeah. timeline, even though the timeline's about to get split apart with the play. Yeah. I don't I don't think – yeah, it would just be really weird to have him be there, and then they're going to have to, what, explain that that was, like – that takes place after this movie that's coming out after. Yeah. So, so much weird – I mean, actually, I was going to say – my originally, I was going to say maybe they're going to add, like – a peak of the future or something as like an after credit sequence in Aquaman, but that got pushed too to next year. I don't think yeah. that's year anymore. So I was like, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. I don't think there's any way they could do that. I really yeah. don't. And what's interesting too is, and this to me, this is just more of like a tangent or a subplot in all this, sure. which is that Christina Hodson has low key become like a driving creative force for DC on film because Christina Hodson wrote Birds of Prey. Right. She wrote The Flash and she wrote this Batgirl movie. You know, so it's interesting to think at this time we're like for a little while there, it looked like none of these movies are going to be too very closely connected. But then they hire Christina Hodson to write three of them. And you got to think with Michael Kate with Michael Keaton's Batman factoring into both Batgirl and The Flash. Hodson has to have some sort of plan or a way that she wants these projects to work together. And I can't imagine Batgirl arriving first and spoiling the return of Keaton as Batman. So Kyle, I, I, I think you're, I think you're onto something because yeah. you know, they haven't delayed it yet, but I kind of think they have to, I think it would be a very ill-advised decision to kind of blow and waste Michael Keaton's momentous return to Batman for a straight-to-streaming Batgirl movie. So I think it's only a matter of time before we hear about it, about you know it getting pushed back. I know that they just wrapped like a week or two ago, so the movie is in the can, but I don't think we're seeing it before The Flash, and I think it's only a matter of time before they announce that. So thanks for sending in the question there, Kyle. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. Um, and just as a special reminder, once again, folks, the fanboy podcast at gmail.com, send your questions and comments and concerns there.
And now we're going to wrap things up with just uh, some some quick thoughts because look, there's no Superman and Lois to talk about. That will not be back until April 26th. So we've got a couple weeks now with uh, no Superman and Lois to pine over. So we're going to talk a little bit about Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 2. If you're not watching the show, uh, I just want to thank you for for uh, being with us this week. Hopefully you enjoyed episode 144 of the Fanboy Podcast. But if you are watching the show, let's go ahead and talk about this. So, Brett, uh, how did you like episode two? Yeah, so for me, episode two, I probably liked it about as much as I liked episode one. I think I gave it, I was a little higher on it than you. I think I gave it like a seven out of ten. I'm going to give this episode a seven out of ten. There's something not entirely clicking with me yeah i think it's the tone i after watching the thing that's keeping me watching is i love oscar isaac yes and i do think he's doing some fun work and and doing Mm -hmm. some great work and uh you know after we seeing him in the suit and and actually like all like the fight scenes are are pretty cool i'm I'm into them but there's something i kind of wish marvel didn't decide to do this like I almost want to call it like this venom kind of tone with it or like mm-hmm. I think the comedic tone maybe was not the right call I think they really should have kept it a little more serious and dramatic throughout um I think that would make the uh split personality stuff a little more engaging mm-hmm. uh, there's just something not clicking for me also i don't know what it is to f murray abraham is such a good actor i love his voice it's so but it's like Kanshu looks so cool and i just don't think the voice fits the (laughs) the egyptian god yeah it's just there's something yeah the tonally it's 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 weird i I, hasn't quite found its footing ethan hawk's very good i find Mm -hmm. him like has this quiet menace to him yep um and I'm again, I'm still intrigued at the story. I really want to see where it goes, but yeah, the tone is just is off for me. It's the tone, I think. Yeah. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. Well, something that kind of helped me. I mean, I agree. The tone, it's a little goofy and it's a little yeah. kind of lighthearted. And yet it's dealing with stuff that's kind of definitely more serious and interesting. And I do find it just to be a little goofy, a little slapstick. But I was asking a buddy of mine who knows more about the character than I do, which is basically nothing. And uh, I had remarked about the show being a little goofy. And uh, they said that Moon Knight uh, can often be portrayed almost Deadpool-like. So I was that say like yeah <laughs> yeah so then that makes me think okay so maybe it's not completely insane that they're going for something a little lighter hearted but I still think it's just a little it's still yeah. kind of goofy yeah it's still just it, a little it's not too done much. as well as Deadpool it's and not. it's not even even like you know I didn't really like Venom Let There Be Carnage uh, that movie was kind of like a seen rough job yeah. But the first Venom, for what it was, I really liked the Venom, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Brock, you know, relationship. I thought Tom Hardy had a lot of yeah. fun with that. And I could tell, like, Oscar Isaac's definitely invested. But, yeah, it's just it's, it's not quite hitting in the way I think they want it to. Yeah. I really wish it was a little more serious and grounded. And I wish they kind of – honestly, I don't want to be like the dark, you know, gritty guy. But maybe they should have went for more of like a daredevil tone. 
I mean, here's the thing. Just looking at Moon Knight's design, looking at that ancient Egypt sort of origin for it all, like, I feel like it needs almost like a Zack Snyder type of visual touch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that... The, the, Something about the way this is shot, it just seems so bright and nice and Disney and yeah. vivid. And I'm like, no, we need some shadows and some moody slow-mo and some stuff that kind of really sinks into like the epicness and darkness of some of this stuff that we're, you know, getting into yeah. here, you know? Um, and yeah, you know, for me, this episode was, uh, I liked it better. Last week, If I, I'm not even sure I rated it, but I would have given the first episode like a four out of ten. This one, because now we're starting to fill in pieces of the mystery, and we now we have this interesting kind of reveal that Ethan Hawke was a previous avatar for this mm -hmm. Egyptian god, and now the Egyptian god is turned on him, and now he wants to work for this different god who, instead of punishing people after they've done bad actually punishes them before they've committed their evil a minority report it yeah yeah i was gonna say <laughs> it's, it's totally report. minority report but uh hey listen that's one of my all-time favorites so it's fine you yeah, can rip it one. off but uh yeah so finding out about that sort of being the central conflict and that's what ethan hawk's character is up to trying to find the tomb of that you know god i think it's uh, um, amit or, or amit is yeah, the, the one that like Ethan Hawke is, and then Khonshu is the Egyptian yeah. god uh, with Moon Knight. Yeah, and we also found out more about you. Know, we, we found out about the wife who was just a voice on the phone last week. This time, we get to see her in person, and the the interesting interplay between her and Stephen because she's married to Mark, but Stephen seems to have no real idea who she is. Meanwhile, he speaks French and high, and, and he's into the same stuff she's in. So, like, I'm still trying to figure out where this Steven alter ego even comes from. Did yeah, Mark like, is Mark him? the original guy? And then yeah. Steven's alter ego, his so, mind, like, created I, and fractured? Or yeah. is Steven the real guy and Mark is the, I don't know. Like, so, yeah. they, 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 like, stuff's keeping me intrigued. And yeah, 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 yeah. So the episode, I think uh, I'm excited for episode three because it looks like we're, you know, we're going to Egypt now. And mm -hmm. maybe we'll get that more darker, shadowy kind of you know yeah one can only hope that we got through this some of the slapstick and uh him kind of trying to come to peace with the fact that hey i have a split personality and i i yeah. guess i do have to let this guy take control every once in a while yeah um there was some interesting um, you know revelations at the end of the episode with that yeah 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 so for me if episode one was four out of ten this one i'm with you seven out of ten i liked it i didn't love it but I liked it, and I'm I'm starting to get a little more into just the world they're building here and finding out more about these characters. And, you know, listen, I'm on the ride, for better or worse. I'm here to yeah. check out where this goes. Uh, to me, I enjoyed episode two better than episode one. I still wish it wasn't quite as goofy as it is, yeah. but uh, that's what it is. And uh, I think this is what episode 144 of the Fanboy Podcast was. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this here episode. We're going to be back later this week on Friday with a second episode this week to make up for not having one for you last week. Um, yes. So I guess, you know, uh, from Brett and I, uh, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios. Take care. See ya. <laughs>